Welcome, brethren. We are um, dealing with a, a question on uh, the position of women and also another question on what happens to uh, little children who are uh, um, in Ezekiel 9. Let's have a word of prayer before we begin. Our Father in heaven, we thank you that we can gather together uh, as your uh, present uh, truth people today to uh, worship you and to learn more of the truth you have for us today. We thank you for the many, many things that you have done for us and the ways that you have protected us and watched over us and in so many cases that we don't even know about. And we pray that you, uh, that we will continue to be worthy of this uh, loving watch care that you provide for us, that we will uh, be faithful and that uh, we will all strive to fit ourselves uh, to um, accomplish uh, much more in your service that, as you would have us do. We pray for those who are sick today Especially, uh, we pray for those who have uh, the um, coronavirus. So we pray for Brother Myron in a special way and all others of your people who have uh, health problems or who have other uh, difficulties that you will watch over them, that you will comfort them. And it, if it is your, uh, in your, uh, uh, to your greater glory, uh, and, and to the good. We pray that you will touch these people in a special way with your healing power. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so we're going to start in the beginning what the Lord had in mind for men and women. And Sister White gives us the divine principle first, introducing it. She says here in um, uh, Consuls and um, Evangelism, Christian Education, sorry. Women should fill the position which God originally designed for her as her husband's equal. That's the pr principle. And then she goes on to explain the current um, what that means currently in her time. The world needs mothers who are mothers not merely in name, but in every sense of the word. We may safely say that the distinctive duties of women are more sacred, more holy than those of men. Let women realize the sacredness of her work and in the strength and fear of God, take up her life mission. Let her educate her children for usefulness in this world and for a home in the better world. The position of a woman in her family is more sacred than that of a king upon his throne. And uh, we do have to have that understanding, even today, that the woman's duties are very important, even more important and more sacred. It is true that the husband needs to earn a living for the family, but the wife is the one who guides and trains the, the children at the earliest stages in the way they should go. 
And that's why her work is so sacred there. If we do not have this view of women, we need to obtain this view quickly as part of the ISAF that is available only to the elect. Now, we naturally come, uh, as we grow up and uh, before we become Davidians, if we weren't born, and there's some, uh, many, a number who were always Davidians, and that those people, uh, that is good, but many of us became Davidians, even though some of us were born. Uh, uh, but before we uh, were a Davidian, we had thought, we thought as the world. We, we, uh, we didn't have knowledge, we didn't have true understanding. And when we become a Davidian, we uh, have the opportunity to come up to a higher level. And we are, in fact, expected by the Lord to come up to that level once we understand. So each of us should under, look at ourselves and see uh, in what ways of our understanding about the position of women have we uh, been affected by the world's thinking? And to what degree have we come out of the world in those matters? And it's a very important thing. One misunderstanding, one bad habit, one idle, uh, one cultural remnant of, uh, that we hold on to. And well, that's my culture, brother. I'm sorry, we want you to have God's culture. We want you to have Davidian culture. And uh, we, we don't want our worldly culture to keep us out of the kingdom. Brethren, if you do not understand I want you to understand that women should feel, fill the position which God originally designed for her as her husband's equal. What does that mean? Well, we don't know everything about what it means, but we know some things, and we know that that original position is going to be restored by the message. It is, in fact, already being restored, and that's something we should keep in mind. In the beginning, God created both men and women uh, equal as king and queen. Now, is this true? Did Brother Hadith write this? And is it inspired? It is inspired and it is true and he did write it, brethren. And this is our truth and this is the teaching of Bashan. And if it is not your understanding, I truly hope that you make it your understanding. Yes, they were not equal yesterday. Yes, many people in the world have a, a view that a woman's position is inferior or this or that, or they must obey, or they must walk several paces behind their husband and so on and be subservient. Whatever view we have, I hope that we trade it in for God's uh, um, view which is that uh, God intended both men, man and woman to be equal. Now, Brother Hadaf has some very interesting, very important things to say about this situation. We're gonna go over it. And God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it as king and queen over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living th thing that moveth upon the earth. 
Genesis 1.28. Is that the, uh, the, what the world teaches? It isn't. The world teaches that we are just one of the many species here, and we uh, have to make room and consideration for others. Of course, we treat God's creation in the way that he would treat it. Uh, we don't eat it, for instance, as they do. Uh, we, tr we are kind to all living creatures as, as, uh, as possible. But the world would elevate the, the natural kingdom, the animal kingdom and so on, and they would give them a full equality with men when it comes to consideration of rights. And, and, um, and that is not the way that the Lord has intended it. His way was better even for them by far. If the world was the Garden of Eden today, it would be a lot uh, more, uh, it would be a much more beautiful, wholesome and healthy world. And, and the animals uh, kingdom would be a much happier uh, group of beings. Today we have the law of the tooth and the claw. All that natural, all that beautiful polar bear. Oh, it's such a shame he was shot and killed. Oh, that's so terrible to shoot that wolf. These are predators that live by killing. And this is not the original design of God. It don't fall for the, the deceptions of the world, brethren. Note that the dominion was given to them both. However, after they sinned, a change was made forever and ever. A change was made, but for 6,000 years. Unto the woman, he said, thy desire shall be to thy husband and he shall rule over thee, Genesis 3.16. So after the woman sinned, she fell under the government of man. But that which Eve lost by deception shall be restored by redemption. These are profound truths here that Brother Hadaf is uh, bringing out. Thus again, the equality of both shall be established as kings and queens. Therefore, there is neither male nor female in, Jesus, in Christ Jesus. And this is many profound things which we are not going into now, but this, this statement is packed with uh, a profound meaning. Christ himself confirms the idea in the following expression. For when they shall rise from the dead, they neither marry nor give in marriage, but, but are as the angels which are in heaven. Now we have gone into this partially in the past. Always be willing to adhere to the rod and what Brother Hadith says uh, on these things. It is the rod's interpretation of these things that is the final authority, not the world's, and not even Sister White's interpretation in every case. It may not be clear to us what she is saying in regards to these same things. And um, we harmonize her things with the message. We don't harmonize the last and greatest message with the previous message. It's not that she's wrong uh, in any particular, it's just that uh, when the understanding is not clear, we harmonize according to the message. And what the message is saying is that this message will uh, restore the original equality. Now, the message is restoring many things. 
the Sabbath was restored under Sister White and uh, Brother Hadith. And we don't say, well, we'll wait to the kingdom to keep the Sabbath uh, at all. Uh, we move forward with keeping the Sabbath as perfectly as we can now. And we don't, and, and vegetarianism was also restored, but we don't say uh, in the kingdom, we will, uh, we will wait, we will eat a flesh food until we get to the kingdom. We don't say that because the process of restoration is already started and we have to follow the standards, brethren. They're not optional. If it comes to a Sabbath keeping, if it comes to uh, vegetarianism and health reform, and if it comes to women's uh, equality, uh, those things are moving forward in the Elijah message uh, to restore all things as they were when they were created. And we are doing that from now. And we have not just the right, but we have the responsibility, each one of us, to understand these things and move with it. Don't, move, don't be hanging back behind there. We don't like this and we don't like that. And we don't, well, it's not up to us. It, we don't judge God and we don't judge God's word. We accept. That's, that's our proper response. And uh, yes, we are, this message does restore all things. Um, Jezreel letter uh, number seven, uh, page seven. I hope you no, will no longer deceive yourselves that the shepherd's rod is tearing down anything that God has built up. If it is of God, the shepherd's rod is restoring it. It is here to restore all things not tear them down. And just as we are restoring vegetarianism uh, and a proper attitude toward the animal kingdom, which is given in answer of five, uh, page 80, they shall not hurt nor destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth shall be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah eleven sixty nine. Um, we don't hurt the animals. We don't destroy. We are moving forward. So if whatever was ever was a question in people's mind is, well, Brother Trevor, what is our position about hunting or fishing? Uh, fishing is a fine, wholesome thing. Uh, we spend time with the children, the boys, the girls, the uh, family, whatever, blah, blah. No, because we, we are re in the process of restoring the original Edenic ideal. Adam did not hunt or fish. And you can commune with the fish. I don't know how many of you have communed with fish. It is possible. <laughs> but you cannot uh, uh, go and, and hurt and destroy them merely for your pleasure. Now, there are times and cases where uh, the whole animal kingdom is degenerate. It was never God's plan for there to be predators who killed other animals. There was never God's plan for the pest to uh, become a health threat to, to Adam and Eve, to human beings. So, and of course, there's the serpent who he specifically uh, said would have his head bruised uh, until the redemption. But 
we don't do these things. We don't hurt or destroy anything, even the serpent, brethren. Uh, but uh, unless it is a dangerous situation, uh, unless the animal is uh, doing something that is uh, of grave significance, we can do things like that. Uh, I happen to know from personal communication with the individual involved that when there was a plague of rabbits at Mount Carmel, uh, Brother Hadith authorized the shooting of the rabbits, at least in one occasion, whether they, how long and so on. Uh, but they, in this world, when you, we have all, uh, thrown the natural ecology off balance and there's no longer lions and tigers and bears to eat the rabbits, and I know it's wolves and foxes and coyotes, but the point is they will multiply to a too great an extent. And it's the same thing with the deer here at Bashan. <laughs> They have certainly pressed our, us on our principles, I, at least some of us. <laughs> I saw the trend last year and I took a picture of my garden two days before they totally destroyed it. <laughs> so it's lush and nice one day, a, a picture the next, uh, over, over a period of a couple of days, they destroyed it, okay? And, um, um, that's okay, we, uh, we, we don't have to hurt and destroy the deer for something like that on that small scale, but we, do, we are authorized to build a fence and so on and do things, and we will do those things. But uh, we don't say that we can hunt these animals for pleasure. We don't say that we can disobey the Lord because we're in the process of the restitution of all things. It's already moving forward. The same thing with the position of women. Women are, moving, are to be moving forward to be kings and uh, uh, priests, queens, but, but the Lord calls them kings and priests and uh, uh, ministers, ordained ministers. And if you have uh, seen what we have said in the past about the Adventist ordination, you know that they are not authorized to ordain women ministers. What are they doing? They're just copying the world. It's only part of their slide into following the churches of the world. So that's all they're doing. They don't have the commission to restore all things. We have the commission to re restore all things. And yes, that means women ministers, brethren. It means that they are going to be part of the last ordained ministry. What, who, what group is the last ordained ministry? What is it called? The 144,000, okay? That is the last ordained ministry, the message says, those words. And uh, women as well as men will be part of, that, part of that. And all of us should be thinking about these things from now. Uh, as I always tell you, if you have never looked into the mirror, and I know, that, believe me, it's the same with me. It's like, nope, I never did that uh, at one point. It's, but if you have never looked into the mirror and said, oh, that's a minister looking back at me, I want you uh, br brothers and sisters to think about that because if you're going to be part of the 144,000, guess what? That person looking back at you in the mirror is going to be a minister someday and you need to start conducting yourself in the way 
that is fit for a minister to be if you're not already a minister, which I know many of you here are uh, and in the field too. Uh, but uh, that is how, that is where we are moving. Now, put the Lord's ways first. It doesn't matter how we feel. He didn't ask us about how we feel about these things. But in the end, we feel wonderful about these things. The Lord said about the um, selling of Carmel, all faithful Davidians will find this good news. And I strive with uh, our brethren in Waco and Mountaindale, but mainly Waco, I strive with them uh, to say they find the selling of Waco to be good news, the selling of Mount Carmel to be good news. They won't say that, many of them. They refuse to say, but Brother Haraf in um, 10 Code 1 says, all will faithful Davidians will find that good news. And all faithful Davidians will find the restitution of all things good news also. Keep that in mind and be a faithful Davidian. Do not be an unfaithful Davidian. Therefore, in this promised restitution of all things under the economy of the Elijah message, it is the privilege of each to help restore the, the things that were lost and that will be uh, reinstated. 2 Code 9, page 2. Brethren, each one of us, this is part of our work as Davidians, is to understand these things, to be able to teach them, and also to find them good news personally. Whatever the Lord tells us is good news. Okay, so this question is, will infants and heathen men who die without having the opportunity of hearing Christ and accepting him as their savior be saved? This is a two-part question because it's talking about infants and then heathen people. If they can thus be saved in their ignorance, why send missionaries to them? Uh, the Unitarian Universalists and others believe that everyone is going to be saved, okay? It's a good news message for the enemy because, and it is from him, because if everyone is going to be saved, it doesn't matter what you do. You can do anything and you're still going to be saved. And uh, it is not a very powerful teaching. The church last I knew was fading from their, from mainstream uh, status almost to almost forgotten. But there are people who believe these things and it's false. We cannot be saved in any other way except by Jesus Christ, by accepting Jesus Christ, by being born again into him. It is the only way that we can be saved as adults. And as children too, essentially, they too will be under the same situation, but they come under a special dispensation of their parents for good or for bad. Answer, if men could be saved in their ignorance, the world would be better off without the gospel of Christ. For then, for then would be, not be a gospel of salvation, but rather a perdition to all who might be saved without it and who reject it. Says the spirit of prophecy, the living righteous are changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the voice of God, they were glorified. Now they are made immortal and with the risen saints are caught up to meet their Lord in the air. Angels gather together the elect from the four winds, 
from one end of heaven to the other. Little children are borne by holy angels to their mother's arms. Friends long separated by death are united, never more to part. And with songs of gladness ascend together to the city of God. Great Controversy, page 645. So was the faith of, um, uh, of this woman uh, rewarded. Christ, the great life giver, restored her son to her. In like manner will he, his faithful ones be rewarded when at his coming death loses its sting and the grave is robbed of the victory it has claimed. Then will he restore to his servants the children that have been taken from them by death. Thus saith the Lord, a voice was heard in Ramah, lamentation and bitter weeping. Rachel, weeping for her children, refused to be comforted for her children because they were not. Thus saith the Lord, refrain thy voice from weeping and thine eyes from tears, for thy work shall be rewarded, and they shall come again from the land of the enemy. And there is hope in the, thine end, saith the Lord, that thy children shall come again to their own border. Now this is a very important thing because not everybody understands that the children will come again. They will be saved with their parents, saved alive. And then at the same time, uh, for the wicked, uh, slay utterly old and young, both maids and little children and women, but come not near any man upon whom is the mark and begin in my sanctuary. Then they began at the ancient men which were before uh, the house, Ezekiel 9, 6. In this scripture, we see that the ancient men are lost. Their children are not saved either. And Joshua and all Israel took with them Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold, and his sons and his daughters and his oxen, and his asses and his sheep, and his tent, and all that he had. And they brought them into the valley of Achor. And Joseph, Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and, burn, uh, and burned them with fire after they had um, stoned them with stones. Now, the whole family was stoned. The family died in their sins. The children died with their parents. And this is another case where we are not to judge God. Satan originally has um, put forward the thought that we can judge God and ask God, well, why you do this? Why, why would a just God do something like that? In ancient times, they just accepted that. It's, you never hear them really questioning God. God had the right to do what he had to do, what he wanted, whatever he chose. And he does have the right, brethren, and you don't have the right, I don't have the right to question or judge him. And whatever his decision is, it is just, it is good. It is, it is the right decision, and we are not to worry about it. It's not our business to be concerned, but uh, the information that we take away from this is the children are um, destroyed with the parents. So in the case of those who are saved, the children are saved. In the case of those who die, the children die. And that is the teaching that uh, Brother Hadiff and Sister White have established. 
and then for those who are ignorant of the truth, there is a thought that we can get to heaven uh, multiple different ways and uh, we don't have to accept uh, Jesus Christ and so on. I saw that the slave master will have to answer for the soul of his slave whom he has kept in ignorance and the sins of the slave will be visited upon the master. God cannot take to heaven the slave who has been kept in ignorance and degradation. Now, we have many slaves today in the sense that they are slaves to sin and they don't know Jesus Christ. In some cases, they hardly know the word. But uh, many, many people, they grew up in India, they grew up in China, many places in the world. And that's why both India and China are experiencing persecution now. Uh, Christianity has uh, moved forward in both countries. And as soon as they have moved forward, the enemy wanting to destroy as many lives as possible, uh, um, instigated a persecution on, the, on Christianity and on the churches there. And this is going on in China in a big way. And we watched when they came for the Muslims and we didn't say anything. And they put a million Muslims in the concentration camps. And uh, actually I could feel a little um, uh, compassion for them in a way, but, um, but we didn't do anything, say anything. Uh, they were, uh, you know how they, uh, they were, uh, this is a kinder, gentler, slightly Chinese concentration camp than in the past. One of the tests that they go through or one of the provocations that are given to them is on special Chinese holidays, I've heard they've been fed pork meals and uh, pork of course is very uh, precious to the Chinese and it's an abomination to the Muslims and they are forced to, they're abused if they don't eat it, they're not give, you know, they're just treated bad. And it's like, eat this. And uh, that's the kind of persecution. And I'm sure they get more persecution than that. Being uh, inside of the concentration camp, which looks like a educational facility actually with big barbed wire fences around it. And they claim their job retraining centers and so on but they're actually uh, brain retraining centers more than job retraining centers. But the point is, we didn't say anything when they came for the, the Muslims, and then they came for the Catholics. And uh, there was a big Catholic persecution in China, and I know m many of us don't bother about these things, but it's true. And uh, after they're finished with the Catholics, they're moving on to others, okay? They're, they're persecuting all the Christians. Is a serious thing, so serious that it has impacted our work. And it is, uh, of course, impacting the people there uh, much more. Why? Because Satan wants to keep their minds ignorant of the truth. Uh, Satan wants to prevent them to, be, uh, to, to learn about uh, uh, the gospel of, of, of salvation, to be, uh, prevent them from becoming Christians so that their slave-like mind will be ignorant of the truth and they will not be saved if they die in their ignorance. It's not a good thing to die in your ignorance. The Lord cannot take you to heaven. God cannot take to heaven the slave. And, and remember, this is a principle. As with all principles, it doesn't apply just to one particular type of slaves at one place at one time. It's a principle. Uh, 
God cannot take to heaven the slave who has been kept in ignorance and degradation, knowing nothing of the Bible, of God or the Bible, fearing nothing but his master's lash and holding a lower position than the brutes. But he does the next best thing for him that a compassionate God can do. He permits him to be as if he had never been, while the master must endure the seven last plagues and then come up in the second resurrection and suffer the second most awful death. Then the justice of God will be satisfied. And God is a just God that will impose these things. It always amazes me to see how uh, lightly people take these things. They don't realize that there is going to be a judgment, a real day of judgment for all of us. And we will either pass or fail. And it's a very serious thing that we need to think about. We do need to understand. Sometimes we don't feel like doing something and we need to understand that uh, we're not going to get a pass. The Lord does not give us a, a little card saying, you're excused from this, uh, obeying this command. We don't get that, brethren. And there will be an awful day of judgment for many, many, and many people will be, why, Lord, are you putting me on the left hand? Wasn't I a Davidian all my life? Why are you saying this to me now? Because we have to obey everything, rather, not just some things. Now, this is the key thought here uh, that ends this section from uh, two symbolic code, uh, this question actually, from uh, two code 11, page nine, it was eight and nine. The above references indicate that the children of the righteous will be saved and the children of the wicked will be lost. However, none who have had no opportunity to be saved will themselves suffer punishment. Therefore, missionaries must be sent to every nation, kindred, tongue, and people to inform all of the plan of redemption so that each will be given an equal opportunity to be saved. And you may see equal opportunity and see how I, where that came in into the general thought there. And I'm gonna come back to that, but uh, the above references indicate that the children of the righteous will be saved. Brethren, they are going to be saved. And the teaching that the children are going to be laid away before Ezekiel 9 is wrong. There are people who are so committed to the idea of exactly 144,000 uh, saved that they do not like the idea of children being saved. And it's wrong, it's, it's quite wicked actually, not on their side, uh, but this, uh, the enemy that planted that thought and belief in their minds. The children of the righteous will not be laid away. There's nothing that says it, but there's a number of statements that show they will be saved. And uh, all those who are sealed, all those who, parents who are sealed um, and their children, they will be um, saved alive. Now the children, and we're talking about infants, children below the age of accountability, uh, they will have to be tested. Uh, they will have to take a, make a stand themselves but the children, the babes in arms and so on, cannot go through the experience of the 144,000. 
They cannot be one of the 144,000. There are certain criteria uh, that the 144,000 must do, must perform, must but they, they go through, and babes cannot do that. And the, they are without question with the 144,000, but not of the 144,000. So I want us to living. Now I want us to understand that uh, w the point of this is to help people see that if there's one group of people who are along with the 144,000, then there may be another group. Uh, it, but if there was none, no one with the 144,000, exactly 144,000, fine. But we have just seen without any question that the children are saved. And, um, and this is not the only statement, it's the only statement I uh, wanted to use today, but uh, the children are with the 144,000. The infants in arms are with the parents and uh, that shows the truth of these, um, the statements of those with and so on. Okay, so uh, that is an uh, important thing to understand. There's much, much more to that subject and all will come out in the end. Um, I want to mention that the missionaries must be sent to every nation, kindred and tongue, because each will be given equal opportunity. The Lord does not judge one race of people uh, differently from the other. The Lord does not value one race of people differently. Now, for whatever reason, we have grown up with racism. Uh, there is a racist um, thought in the United States now, a teaching that only white people can be racist. And I can tell you that's not true. Uh, uh, brown people could be racist. <laughs> uh, white people, yellow people, Chinese have, one, Chinese are moving forward in Africa, but they shoot themselves in their foot because they are so racist on a practical level, okay? Um, and, um, the Africans, I, I have great respect and affection for the Africans as much as I have for Americans at least, but um, Africans have a, quite a bit of prejudices in their minds too, and I've had it explained to me at length, by the way. <laughs> in fact, uh, I had one uh, person, a taxi driver, explaining to me he was from forgetting where, what country he was from, Kenya maybe, I forget, or Zambia. But he had come over, he was from, when he found out that I was from Missouri, he was telling me he, was, he had gone to college in Oklahoma at a Christian college. And um, he uh, got a master's, got a little taxi uh, uh, business, just a little one, but still um, it cost uh, quite a bit of money. And um, he, uh, was explaining to me how prejudiced he was against you brethren, you American, African-Americans. And uh, I wasn't, I, I, there was nothing I could say to like, well, the message says that's not right, brother. <laughs> but he explained in great detail, not you brethren exactly, but of course. But there is prejudice everywhere and it's wrong. Okay, it doesn't matter who it is, 
It doesn't matter who it is against. Don't be like that. Don't do that. Davidians are not like that. We do not have prejudice in our lives. And to the extent that we have it in our minds, we do need to remove it with the Lord's help. Do not let such a thing occur under any circumstances, brethren. This is a, 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 a wickedness of the world, a deficiency of the world that we need to not only think that we have outgrown, we need to actively make sure that we have outgrown, okay? And um, there's many other things I could tell you about this because being in the middle, kind of, I, get, I hear things from both sides. <laughs> in the middle, you're all by yourself too, by, your, by the way. <laughs> but that's all right. Uh, but what, for me, I, I uh, uh, grew up in a family, a multiracial family. Uh, we were not, there, there was no prejudice. Uh, um, there was, uh, you know, Brother Bingham, one thing you can say about him, he was very, very much unprejudiced person, okay? And uh, so that is not just a, to give him a, a pat on the back, it is the message that he, that he had been, that was inculcated in him over many years that helped make that true. And it needs to be true of each one of us too. Okay, so um, we have a few moments that we can um, take a few questions. Do we have anyone here in the audience that has something they would like to ask? Brother Trevor, I have a question. Yes. Um, I do know that there have been women that have had abortions prior to coming into the message. So when they come into the message, will they, and they are saved, will they have those children brought to them too? That is a hard question. <laughs> That's a good question. There's nothing in the message on that, but we know that the babies are our babies. The Lord knows our name from before we were born. Something to remember. He doesn't know the name of a piece of flesh, a tissue. Okay, he knows the, he knows the name of a person. So to me, that's the answer of your question. Yeah. Uh, Brother Alfonso. Now, when you were explaining about the children who were, uh, that died with their parents, um, uh, with stone, um, and I guess the babies too, with stone, do the children feel the pain? Because I mean, I, I, an adult, of course, is going to feel the pain because they should know better what they've done. But when it comes to a child, and if you stone them or whatever, you know, and they feel the pain. So I, I wonder if that well, so, so to answer your question for Ezekiel 9, uh, it is not a real stoning, you know. You, go, you can continue. I just want to say oh, no, no. it is not stoning. Oh, oh, okay. Okay. So, but do they, uh, because of the wickedness of their parents, do they suffer the same wickedness? as the parents, even though they're little kids and don't know, would they suffer 
like their parents when they come to Ezekiel 9. Okay, so in going back to the type, ancient um, Egypt, uh, when the destroying angel, the death angel passed over the, the land, the firstborn were killed, but it doesn't say that they suffered or whatever. Yeah. I, I don't, I, we cannot put into that anything that is not there. Right. It simply says that the death angel passed over the destroying angel and, and they died. So uh, they died in their sleep. They died. And uh, in the case of uh, Ezekiel 9, we have uh, the, 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 the destroying angels passing over the, the, the world, around the world. But we don't see, that is not uh, the lake of fire. That is not uh, that at all. So uh, the answer that I would give you is the message does not teach that they were uh, what Brother Hadith is saying, the reason Brother Hadith is using that example from Achan is just to show that the little children perish with their parents. Okay, that's all that's showing. It doesn't show the way. There's not a connection with stoning. So that is, um, uh, that is uh, the point there. One other thing about that is that um, uh, the, the situation with the infants is similar uh, from what we know to the situation of the, um, the slaves, where it says that the slave master will have to answer, the, ch the parent answers, but the Lord is not punishing the slave. That's specifically brought out here. And so to answer your question authoritatively, the children are not being punished. Okay, they're going to be as they never were, but they, they are not being punished. It's simply that he cannot bring those children uh, in their sins unprepared for uh, uh, the kingdom into the kingdom. And men, women, and children all perish together. But uh, the slave master is held accountable. Uh, he is the one that's punished. Okay, and the parents are punished also to the extent that they have refused the truth or they have refused to accept and live the truth. That, that is God's command, accept and live or reject and die. And so the parents are punished, but the children are in the situation here of the slave uh, in their ignorance, okay? Is that, you see what I'm saying? Okay, and, and it is something for a difficult for us as 20th century people to accept in a way, but what I would commend to everyone's thinking, I hope, I hope we could do this, is that God's ways are better than our ways. We are not even two-year-olds questioning our father. Uh, his ways and his thoughts are better, much infinitely better and more just and more righteous and we just need to accept. There's a point where we don't want to be like two-year-olds, and we don't want to be always um, um, wondering and wondering, it's just like, God said it. And, uh, uh, and I'm saying this for all of us, it, just, uh, it is a worthy thing to think of. If the message has made something clear, and the message does put, remember, this is a principle here, what we read uh, about the slave master. The slave master can be, uh, 
uh, it is not just one time, I, I stress that. It's not just the American slaves right then, right there. That's a principle that applies in similar situations anywhere. In China, you have communist masters okay, that have kept the people that, uh, the, uh, in, enslaved in that ideology. They, they have been, it's forbidden in China to teach your children uh, Christianity or any religion. You're forbidden. And if you do, you're a criminal. And, and so for these reasons, uh, they are in the position of this master and they are going to be held accountable. Is that poor Chinese person who grew up, uh, died from COVID when they were 20 years old, never knew the Christianity, is he going to be punished? My belief is that this, this makes it clear that he is not going to be punished. He never had an opportunity, see? He never rejected the truth. And because he never rejected and the children never rejected the truth, God does the best he can do for them, which is uh, a compassionate God. Uh, he allows them to be as they never were, which means that they are not punished in the lake of fire. They are not held responsible for uh, uh, their deficiencies, as it were. And that slave, he could have been doing all kinds of things, you know. Slaves uh, were not wicked people, but they were just average, everyday people, and maybe he was a... He liked to fight, he liked to drink, he liked to whatever. Well, it's not exactly a free pass and don't think that that's a way to get a free pass because it's a terrible life to live. But at the end of the day, the Lord is not going to judge him and we have that definitely in writing here. And it's the same thing with the children. Okay, Sister Merrill-Teen, uh, yes. Actually, what I'm asking is there a statement in Sister White's writing that said when Adam rested on this Sabbath, the first Sabbath, it was in commemoration of God's word. Is it saying that he had not done anything to be resting? Because we know that work comes before rest. So did Adam do any work before he rested on that first Sabbath? Okay, so Sister Danita is going to rephrase the question for me. She's asking... Okay. Is there a statement in Ellen White's writings that goes along with Brother Houtef's statement that when Adam rested on the first Sabbath, that he rested to commemorate God's having finished his work? So she's asking, is it that, that Adam didn't do anything to be able to rest on that first Sabbath? Thank you, Sister, exactly. Okay, I see. That's a good question. Um, so offhand, I am not aware of that. Anyone have any uh, input? Um, he can, uh, yes, Brother Barrow. I think based on the fact that Adam was created on the sixth day, I don't know, I don't know what hour in that day, but he was created on the sixth day and comes after the seventh day. Now the worst started after the sixth day. You see? Now there, there would be evidence for Adam to perform some works if he was created on the first or the second or the third or the fourth or the fifth of the fifth day, but he was created on the sixth day. Day. Now comes after 
after came the seventh day. Now, the day of the rest of us. Okay, that's, uh, that's good, that's true. And I understood that's where um, Sister Meraltine was um, coming from. Um, but... You, could I answer, if, I, if possible? Okay. Go ahead. Well, I was thinking that before he got Eve, he was naming the animals, and he was... Um, you know, he had dominion over them before she even came. I mean, he, God didn't say it yet, but he was naming the animals, and that was work. Amen. Ready Amen. Trevor. So um, that is a, 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 a true point that Sister Leyland is making. And um, um, yes, who else? Oh, may I say something? Yes, Brother oh, Jane. Okay. This is where you have, from what I've read, unless I'm wrong about this, but the first Sabbath, he commemorated in, in behalf of what God did, his work. He rested in his work. So that was in commemoration of God's rest. Now, do you remember Hebrews 4, where it talks about after we do our work, we have a rest coming? So then now we'll be able to observe the Sabbath to the rest. That, that Hebrews 4 takes care of it. But the first one was because of what God did, and he rested from his work. It was commemorating the Lord's work, and that's, a, of course, a, a very solid point, I think. Um, so um, the, the question that I, I'm wondering about is the order here in Genesis, and um, it, doesn't, um, it doesn't make it clear uh, when uh, um, Adam did the naming, but the spirit prophecy may have made that clear. So here's how one of the lines that I would do is check to see what the spirit of prophecy says about the, uh, the, the naming uh, episode or the time when uh, Adam named all the animals. If uh, I may throw something in there too. I'm thinking, Brother Haltef, when he was talking about when he did the study on Hebrews 4, and he was talking about the rest. The way it's presented in that study is that not an, is that every Sabbath that we keep right now is in commemoration of God's work. That's a good point that Jean yeah. made, and it's the point I would go with myself, you know, basically. And that we get yeah. our we get our rest based on our work during that millennium, during you mm -hmm. know, in the in mm -hmm. the seventh uh, thousand years, but all the Sabbaths that we keep now, and even though Brother Hotev does mention that we don't deserve a Sabbath rest, you know, if we don't work, still, even if we work, it's in commemoration of God's, of God's work. We don't get credit yet, Correct. seems to me. Correct. Now, let's deal with this, though, real briefly, and then wrap it up. No, like the commemorative rest is correct. God rested and in commemoration, in remembrance, and we do that also, or did that too, and do that. Now, Brother Hadith makes a very important point for us Davidians, that you cannot be a true Sabbath keeper if you don't work the six days a week and get your work accomplished, brethren. Yeah. 
That's a profound point. It's not a small thing, what Brother Hadif is saying. And um, so what the brethren are concerned about is that did, brother, did Adam have a full six days of work? Now, let's take that one step further. Um, let us say that you have been sick five days and you only worked one day. Does that mean you should skip the Sabbath? It doesn't mean you should skip the Sabbath at all. It is not dependent on your working six days for you to commemorate the Sabbath, for you to observe the Sabbath, okay? And it's the same thing with uh, um, Adam. He was uh, responsible for observing it. The Lord set that example with him, and uh, that is our example to this very time. So uh, whether we want to um, examine how many angels are on either side of this point right now, uh, that is the overall uh, question, uh, point, okay? We, it is to remember, to commemorate the creation and whether we work six days or because of factors beyond our control, like not being created that day or those five days, uh, whatever it is, we still observe the Sabbath. And Adam uh, did observe the Sabbath and we are too, okay? So um, they have this worldly concept called a vacation. And uh, I know that we, uh, uh, many of you may, old people may know that Brother Bingham did not accept that um, concept. And now you know why. You, let us say your vacation happens to be five days long from Sunday to Friday, uh, uh, Thursday. And uh, so you do nothing, just sit in the sun and you do no work at all. Uh, are, are you then going to skip the Sabbath? Of course not. So um, it, the work part of for, si for six days, very important, but the commemoration part is even the more decisive factor. So they all come together though. Okay, uh, Sister Shelley. This is another sensitive um, question. So when Adam and Eve were um, equal, um, when we have the restitution to be equal with men, are we still, uh, when I say the word submission, women get angry. However, the woman is supposed to be submissive. Don't we still uphold the Bible with being submissive to our husband and still be his equal? The, it didn't say that women, it said wives submit to your own husband. It's speaking about very, a very specific thing, whether we want it to know it or not. And it also uh, in, uh, includes our general relationship. Uh, it is, uh, if you have two bosses equal to in total control right now, uh, at this point in time, you will have conflict. Uh, and so uh, that is not possible in the kingdom, it's not possible in heaven, and it's not possible in the new earth because we won't have conflict. Uh, so the full, complete restoration, restitution of women, well, we have already implied and meant uh, that it would not take place until uh, the kingdom and, and even heaven and even the new earth. So. 
so we're not saying that, uh, 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 we didn't really say all that we meant here, but to, uh, that could be said, but there, uh, the, we did point your attention at what the Spirit of Prophecy elucidated there, explained, and the, what the Spirit of Prophecy is explaining for the family life is true in the sense that the husband is to be the, the house band, the, the king of the family, uh, and uh, he has to support and uh, honor his wife, but she has to support and honor him and respect. Okay, so, um, so there is a mutual understanding there and there are certain points there. Uh, the full uh, redemption of women, uh, it, it has started, but it's not completed in every detail. So um, to give you an example, today we don't have ordained women ministers in Bashan, but tomorrow we will, okay? So it's a step-by-step -step process. And it's the same thing as with how um, in the family, okay? So, so uh, by studying these questions from the Spirit of Prophecy and the message, we will get the practical details. I wanted to, because of the limited time, just deal with the, uh, the larger principle, which is, yes, women are, going to, are in the process of being restored, and you need to understand uh, several things. And one of them is their work is sacred as the mother and wife. Another thing is we need to be able to take orders from women if we need to. Okay, if women are equal, uh, that means that the Lord is going to put responsibility on them and we need to be able to take orders from women or even children if that should be. Uh, I saw the picture of a young man, 12 years old. That's all I, the phone, you know, pushes things that they think you are going to click on. Once I realize that, I'm contrary enough, never to, tried never to click because they're just going to know what I like. <laughs> But they put forward a 12-year-old young man who is the youngest um, grandmaster chess champion, okay? Now, if he were to give you orders about how to move your man or whatever, you would need to take orders from the child. Uh, and if there are such a thing as, as grandmaster manager 12-year-olds uh, here, and, we, uh, and uh, maybe there are, brother, maybe there's a 20-year-old or a 21-year-old that you're going to have to take orders from, okay? What the principle is, if we, if we, want, if we take the principle uh, from that, is that God is saying, don't look at the person. Do not be looking at the person. If it's a woman, if it's a young person, an old person, whatever, don't be looking at that. You look at the, their, if they are appointed to in a position of uh, authority, you respect that. You respect that position uh, because it's the Lord's um, uh, association that uh, appointed that person. And, and you disrespect that person, you're disrespecting the association uh, who has the keys of the kingdom from the Lord, and that means you're disrespecting the Lord. And I know we don't think about that as we do it. No, it's just that little so-and-so that I don't want to listen to. But brethren, it is uh, exactly like I said, you don't, you disrespect his instruments that he's working through and you disrespect the Lord. If it's a woman and you don't like it, 
Well, you're still disrespecting the Lord, and keep that in mind, children, uh, anyone. Okay, Sister Jennifer, Luby has a question. Sister Jennifer. Yes, uh, good evening, Brother Trevor. Hi. This question was posed um, on the chat, and it's an interesting one because I would love to know the answer. If a lady has a miscarriage, what will happen to the child? I mean, during the period of time you were speaking about, um, you know, the slave master paying for the slaves and those who are in ignorance. So that's the question I really would like to hear. Thinking that a miscarriage is before the fetus fully develops as opposed to the fetus, the, the child is being developed and being born, even like, let's say, being born eight days and dies. Okay. Thank you, Sister Jennifer. Okay, so to my mind, that would be the same as the, uh, Sister Jennifer, that's the same question, or the same answer rather, not the same question, as uh, what happens to children who are aborted. Um, the world will like us to believe that these are not people. The, the world wants us to believe that they are just nothing, okay? And it's a very, very wicked thing. The Lord does know our name from the time we were born. It is clear that he had a reason for saying that. If you have a name, uh, you are a person. Uh, so uh, I would say, uh, Sister Jennifer, uh, uh, on this and with uh, all similar questions, that the, it, it doesn't matter about the age, it matters that this was a person, and it matters that um, uh, uh, what happens to the parent. If the mother is saved, the child is saved. If the mother uh, goes the wrong way and is lost, the child is going to be as it never was. No punishment, no lake of fire, and so on, but also no salvation. So, um, that would be, unless we find anything more specific, the, the only answer that we could give you from, uh, from the message. Anybody has any thoughts on that uh, that they want to add? Sister Bonnie. Brother Trevor, there is a statement, I don't know where it's found in Sister White's writing that says that while the parents were faithful and the child died, that child was, I, can't, I don't know how to put it, but it comes with a statement where angels will be looking after these orphans in heaven. If the parents become unfaithful, the child will be saved. I, I don't know if anybody- I knows. understand that, uh, I, I think I, I, I know that statement, I believe, but um, and uh, there is a case of the orphans that she talks about the orphan, the, the uh, motherless uh, children and so on. So um, that is something that uh, I would have to uh, look at again to understand it completely. But 
uh, here's the, uh, once again, the way of understanding this perfectly for all of us. And I want to close on this too, this thought, because this is a really important thing for us to take away. God is right. He is righteous. Everything he does is righteous. It's perfect. And so if we don't know for sure what, how that works in reality, every little jot and tittle there, the one thing we can know for sure is it's the very best answer. It's a perfect answer. And so, again, all faithful Davidians will find this good news. The fact that the Lord is going to handle these things perfectly. And uh, to the extent that we are curious about these things, we can read these things and understand them and have an opinion. We don't want, us, uh, we don't want to allow ourselves to uh, make that a hobby horse thing where that is more important to us. I'm not saying anyone would. I'm just using this as an example of more general situation. We are allowed to have opinions on things that are not clear. If our opinions are not contradictory to anything, but it's dangerous, Brother Hadaf and, and Sister White both say, it's dangerous because sometimes we become so attached to our own opinions. But you are allowed to have opinions as long as you are ready to lay them on the altar if the Lord requires that. So um, <clears throat> uh, re remember that while we don't know everything, we, there are much, many things that we don't know but we, uh, that are not clearly laid out in the message. We do know this, God is perfect, he is just, he is righteous, all his decisions are righteous, except that. It is very good news for us who serve the Lord. Okay, Sister Cynthia, we are closed officially, but I will take your question. <laughs> I see God in his mercy, even with the wicked. I see God in his mercy, even with the wicked, because he said that if he takes the wicked to heaven, they would be most miserable. Mm -hmm. And so therefore, he, he, he get them, put them out, and is, is the best thing for them. And also, um, God said choices. Um, the wages of sin is death. And he said, but choose life. And so they, all the unsaved, they have chosen. And God only meets out to them for the choices they make. So I would not say God kill anybody or God destroy anybody. Anyone who is lost destroy themselves. Amen. That's actually what the message teaches, uh, that the disobedience is the cause of our death, not the execution, the, the actual sword, but uh, the judgment comes from our own behavior, our own failures and, and, and so on. So it's actually true, but uh, in the case of uh, little children, uh, it is uh, slightly uh, blurred uh, there in some ways. But uh, overall, the Lord is not going to punish anyone who is innocent. Uh, and he's not going to punish the slave. He's not going to punish the uh, little ignorant Chinese or Indian uh, child who grew up in a heathen, pagan, communistic society never knew the Lord, never had a chance to 
um, accept the Lord as his savior and so on, uh, he will deal with each of those questions in a just way. And it's his job, not our job. Uh, our job is to have faith and confidence that he, is do he can do his job perfectly. It's not a hard thing, brethren. We're talking about the infinite God of all the universe. He does do his job perfectly. Have confidence in that, have faith, hold on to the message and, the, and that truth and, and the, the, the knowledge that God will never let us down, ever, never. Thank you, brethren. Thank you for listening. This has been a production of the Davidian Seventh-day Adventist Association. You can find us online at www.bashanhill.org and you can call us at 417-835-2162.